Let's sing His Voice Makes the Difference. Can we sing that this morning? <clears throat> yes, your voice, yes, your voice makes the difference when He speaks, He singing will do. Thank you to the musicians. I'll invite you to go to the book of Acts chapter 3, and then we'll also read from Hebrews chapter 12. Today is um, also the last day we have our brother Dale Walschlager with us. Yesterday there was a little gathering, and brother Dale is going to be, many of you heard, he's going to be traveling to Newfoundland and staying there. So uh, he's, he's had that on his heart for a number of years. And so the Lord willing, we'd like to just have a little word with prayer with you, Brother Dale, before you leave. We may do that this morning or tonight. We'll just see how it goes. If that's all right, we're not going to ask you to come up here and say anything, so don't worry. You'll be fine. Acts chapter 3, as we turn, let's just read in verse 19. Repent ye therefore and be converted that your sins may be blotted out. When the times of refreshing shall come from the presence of the Lord. And he shall, she, he shall send Jesus Christ, which before was preached unto you. Verse 21. Whom the heaven must receive 
until the times of restitution of all things which God has spoken by the mouth of all his holy prophets since the world began. We won't read the other verses. We'll stop there. Let's go to Hebrews chapter 12. Hebrews chapter 12. We'll read from verse 22. Now I want you to think for a moment just of of the time that we are in relative to the plan of God. I'll try and bring that into a little bit of focus here. But it says in verse 22, But you are come unto Mount Zion, unto the city of the living God, the heavenly Jerusalem, and to an innumerable company of angels, to the general assembly and church of the firstborn, which are written in heaven, and to God, the judge of all, and to the spirits of just men made perfect. So this is... This is what's been accomplished by the blood of Jesus, but is only being coming into reality at the end of seven ages. And so this is the time that we are in. It's God the judge of all, the spirits of just men made perfect, verse 24, and to Jesus the mediator of the new covenant and the blood of sprinkling that speaks better things than that of Abel. Verse 25, see that you refuse him, not him that speaketh, for if they escaped not and who refused him that spake on earth, how much more shall we escape if we turn away from him that speaks from heaven, whose voice has shook the earth, but yet he said, once more I shake not the earth only, but also heaven. Let's just bow in a word of prayer. As we are together this morning and we want to come, Heavenly Father, unto you. And Lord, we thank you for the songs that were sung. We thank you for the dedication of this baby, this little life, the families that are here. We thank you for all the believers that are here this morning. We know others are gathered in other places and we thank you for that. Lord, we believe as it was prayed, you are the same yesterday, today, and forever. We believe you are also omnipotent. You are God in one place. You are God in another. And Lord, your eyes are very much upon us even this morning. Lord, I pray that you just come. Your presence would be welcome. If there's anything we said or did that would offend you, we plead the blood of Jesus Christ. And Father, as we're here this morning, we invite your spirit. Grant it, Lord. Bless the word now. We ask this in Jesus' name. Amen. You may have your seats. I will also invite you to go directly over to the book of 1 Peter, 1 Peter chapter 1, and we'll start reading in verse 10. Of which salvation the prophets have inquired and searched diligently, who prophesied of the grace that should come unto you. Searching what or what manner of time the Spirit of Christ which was in them did signify that it did signify that it testified beforehand the sufferings of Christ and the glory which should follow, unto whom it was revealed, and not that not unto themselves, but unto us they did minister the things which are now reported unto you by them that have preached the gospel, unto with 
unto you with the Holy Ghost sent down from heaven, which things the angels desire to look unto. Verse 13, wherefore, gird up the loins of your mind, be sober, and hope to the end for the grace that is to be brought unto you at the revelation of Jesus Christ. If I take a title this morning, and this will be a follow-up to Wednesday, I want to just take on a subject of supreme authority, and I'd like to speak on grace in the hour of judgment. And uh, if we would do that, I, I would like to just reference uh, a scripture. You're, you're all here this morning. God bless you. I appreciate the amens. I appreciate your interaction. And I believe the Holy Ghost would be pleased if we just move with him this morning. There's a, there's a scripture that we all know. It's in, in Malachi chapter 4. And it's one that we are very familiar with in this day, in this hour that we live in. But it would say in Malachi chapter 4, Behold, the day comes that shall burn as an oven, and all the proud, yea, and all that do wickedly, shall be stubble. And the day cometh that shall burn them up, saith the Lord of hosts, that it shall, that it shall leave them neither root nor branch. Now that's, that's fairly ominous, that's fairly direct, the day is coming. There's a day of judgment that is coming upon the earth. And we are living right, if not the shadows, we are living where it's imminent. It's actually upon us. The world is moving into it. They're getting into the spirit of the tribulation. They are getting into the spirit of destruction. And, and it's moving into that. And I, and uh, listen, I, I just, if you help me right off the bat, God will just move this service along quicker. So I appreciate your amen. I, how many believe that? You know, if you would look at, at the events that are in the world right now, the, the storm that is in, in Atlantic Canada, and I was just looking at some of the images, uh, I think it's called Fiona, but it, it, all of these events are being categorized as once-in-a-lifetime events or or unprecedented. They use these words, and, and that's continually coming upon us more and more to, to move into a tribulation, which is, number one, the disruption of nature. And we're seeing that. There, there, there's events that are happening. The weather is on more extremes than ever before. It's hotter. It, there's more rain. There, there, and and, and it, it seems the limits are being pushed more and more. Nature is groaning. So that is a sign of judgment. Now I'm going to read a couple of things before I get to the rest of Malachi chapter 4. But Brother Branham would say this right in 1947. Before any judgments ever sent, God sends forth and warns the people. Friends, listen to my word. If it's in touch with God, one of the greatest judgments that's ever hit all the world is on its road. Remember that someday I'll be gone. But remember, many of you younger people and some of you older, you will see that I have told you the truth. I believe that's the truth. He also would say in 1950, I believe the glorious gospel of the Son of God manifest by the Holy Ghost, is sweeping the country today, bringing people into the ark 
which is Christ Jesus, safely secured from the judgments that's going to come. And when the judgment strikes the earth and atomic powers rock the nations, we'll ride above the waves into glory. I believe it. Now, you are, you are seeing around us, even today, you are seeing the, the words nuclear being used by world leaders on a level that's never been before. You are seeing the, 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 the threat being put out there. And, and that, that's not something to take lightheartedly. We're actually living in that hour. It's going to happen. Now the good thing is, before it ever happens, there's a promise for us to be gone. So we're living in that time right now. I want to read also, if I can, um, this is in uh, another one in 1950. We're fixing in this great day that there's a great civilization to be blasted from the earth, as it was in the days of Noah. That time it was by water. Now it'll be the fire. The world will be rocked by atomic power. Men and women realize the seriousness of this visitation of God, a gospel being preached like it was in the days of Noah. Come into the ark of safety. Come in. Then the judgments of God will pass over to his blood and will, we shall come forth someday like his own glorious body. So these things are happening all around us. If I can just go back and remind you of Malachi chapter 4, as it would talk about the great day of fire, it would also say in verse 5, Behold, I will send you Elijah the prophet before the coming. Now look at what kind of day. It's a great and it's a dreadful day of the Lord. Verse 6, And he will turn the hearts of the fathers to the children and the heart of the children to the fathers, lest what would happen? Lest he come and smite the earth with a curse. Let me read. I want to read just two more here if I can. In former and latter rain, he says, how many earthquakes are happening every hour across the world? It's on the increase all the time. Why is it the old hull is getting thin? The coming of the Lord is at hand. The judgments God spoke of, he said the people would get to a place, they'd fall away, gross darkness would cover the earth, and when spiritual darkness gets upon the earth, it's time for the enemy to attack we're at the hour, gross darkness. Now, I believe that these things are around us. I want to read one more in end time seed sign. And it says, man has got a weapon in his hand that he can destroy himself. He can destroy the world. He'll blow the world into bits in one second. What is that? Nuclear power. And he says, they can shoot a man into orbit. They, they, they can swing it all around the country here. Um, they said, surrender or I'll let her loose. And he said, that's all. What would they do? They'd surrender. Now, I, I, this next statement, I, I'd never come across it this way. But he says this, it used to be the big nations that dominated the little nations. But now they all got the same thing. It's become a time we see and believe we're at the end time. 
And we see nations like Korea, others that have nuclear power. Iran has been trying to go to it. Other ones, it's, it's all around us. And I believe there's only one ark of safety. So I, I want to just, just, if you can, allow me just to go into this a little bit. God never brings, Brother Bram spoke a man, spoke a message, God never brings a man to judgment without first warning him. So there's been three major judgments on the earth. There was one in the time of the flood, but that was also, there was the time of the flood, there was a time when Jesus was on the earth, and in these last days, there's going to be a baptism by fire. Now each of these, the, the first at the time of the flood, that was the earth being baptized by water. It was a justification. But God made a way for the elect in that day. In the time of Jesus, that was when his blood was spilt on the earth, when the Messiah was to come, that his elect should have received him, but they turned him down. His blood spilt on the earth, and that was for a purpose for those that would come. And lastly, it's coming to a baptism of fire. Now, we read here in Malachi 4, and, and to those of you who are message believers, this might sound like it's the same thing, but allow me just to move it into a context. So at, at the time of Jesus, God sent a messenger, a voice, John the Baptist. Now, I'm talking about authority, and, and God, who, if you can look at it way back in Exodus chapter 19, when God brought the children of Israel out, he brought them to a mountain. And the mountain, it was a fearful thing, and the people trembled. And they said to God, don't let Moses speak, let God speak. Or sorry, don't let God speak, let Moses speak. You, you, I'm, you're all there. I saw somebody. Yeah, Thank you. That helped me, actually. Um, so, so, and that God said, that's my way of speaking. Now, I want you to think about this. If you've listened to the podcast, God bless you, Brother Andrew, and God bless the other brothers, Brother John, Brother, Brother Max, uh, there's, and, and we've all participated, but we've been trying to present the podcast to, be, to people that would maybe not be message believers. And, and part of that is how and why God used prophets. Prophets, in the age we live in, prophets are considered people that, that have... Uh, a prophetic, and everybody's a prophet in, in denominational circles. They're all a prophet. But a real word prophet is a prophet that, that takes the place of the voice of God to the earth. And Moses was the voice of God to the earth at one time. And God said, that's the way I will speak. So if you can receive it, the prophets were the voice of God. They were the voice of authority. They were the same as God speaking. Now they were mocked. They, 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 I think it, it said in, in, I think it's First or Second Chronicles 2020. This is, this is 2020 vision. You want 2020 vision? It says, believe his prophets and so shall you prosper. That's the same thing today. You receive God when you receive his prophets. Because that's God speaking to the earth. Now, listen, not one of us were in Mount Sinai. But you've all been in a thunderstorm. You've all been in a place where sometimes it shook 
And, it, and, it, and it's frightful. Lightning or thunder. Well, that was a whole mountain that was thundering. And the people got scared and they said, don't let God speak, let Moses speak. But out of that, it was fearful, it was trembling, but out of that came a voice. And I would say that voice has always come and spoke all through the ages. Now, I'm not going to spend time going through all the prophets, but the Bible would say the law and the prophets were until John. Now, John came with the spirit of Elijah, which was demonstrated in Elijah and Elisha, but now comes John the Baptist, and it was one of the mightiest ministries that ever was. The Bible would characterize it that the high places were brought low, every valley, and everything was done. Isaiah chapter 40, you can read it. But that was God speaking to a generation. And it was just a six-month ministry. Six months. But in that, Isaiah 40 was fulfilled. I'm, not, I'm, I'm just going quickly. And I, in that, God shook the earth at that time. But it was to prepare the hearts of a people to receive the Messiah. And so John, six months, but all it was done was to, to get the people awake and say, hey, God's coming. He's on the earth now. The, you know, and, and, and John would, would be there at the river baptizing, and finally Jesus comes and says, behold the Lamb of God. And he points to him, and the Spirit rested upon him. So it was one of the most powerful messages ever. John the Baptist, his ministry was six months, not even any miracles, just a voice, just a word. But that was bringing the way for the Messiah. Now, the Bible would say the common people heard him gladly, and, but not everybody heard him. Listen, let's just go to the Bible. We'll pick up this in Luke chapter 19. Luke chapter 19 uh, will, will give us just a little scene. I, I want you to, history always repeats itself. So what was back then is today. And I, I believe, uh, how many have heard the voice? How many would like to say they have the full benefit of the voice? I mean, we all can say we do it. But I believe that, that there's more depth to that voice that would help us to serve him better if we can receive it. I believe I need more of that. So, and, and, it's, and it's good to see what we're under. Okay? So now, Luke chapter 19, Jesus came. Now, I won't go through all the Bible, but it was, it was Jesus who was there at the river that day. You know, and, and then it was, it was Matthew chapter uh, 17, where it was Mount Transfiguration. Hear my son, this is him. Hear ye him. And, 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 and it was God continually, the Bible said, he's committed all judgment to the son. I'm talking about the hour of judgment. So, so now here in Luke chapter 19, we'll just pick this up in verse 37. Now th this is when he's coming uh, into Jerusalem and when he was come nigh, even at the descent of the Mount of Olives, the whole multitude of the disciples began to rejoice and praise God with a loud voice for all the mighty works that they had seen, saying, Blessed be the King that cometh in the name of the Lord, peace in heaven, glory in the highest. Now what a glorious thing. You know, and, and here, just think about what Jerusalem was receiving. Jerusalem 
was receiving their Messiah. This is what they'd looked for. But in the Pharisees' multitude, let's just read verse 39. And some of the Pharisees among the multitude said unto him, Master, rebuke your disciples. What are they saying? And he answered and said, I tell you that if they would hold their peace, the stones would cry out. If you can think, creation knows the creator. When Jesus spoke, that was the voice of the creator. When he said, peace be still, that was the voice of authority. Creation knew their creator. But fallen man, steeped in religious tradition, didn't know it. But the common people heard him gladly. Now listen, as Jesus is coming, now he's, he says this, but now, now just imagine, verse 41. And as he was come near, he beheld the city, and he wept over it. And he said, if thou hadst known, even thou, at least in this thy day, the things which belong to thy peace, but now are they hid from thine eyes. For the day shall come upon thee that thine enemy shall cast a trench about thee and compass thee around and keep thee in every side, and they shall lay even with the ground and thy children within thee, and they shall not leave in thee one stone upon another because thou knewest not the time of thy visitation. Oh, friends, I, I want to, I believe there's times of refreshing from the presence of God. I believe we had them in our meetings. I believe we can have them continually. But we want to recognize the visitation of God. This is not as, as, as the enemy is continually undermining what God has truly done. I spoke this on, on Wednesday a little bit. You know, they, everything that's being done is now defund the police. It, it, it's to minimize th- authority. And, and if you read 2 Timothy chapter uh, 3, verses 1 on down, it says, Know this, in the last days perilous times will come. And you read the things they're talking about. Now, he doesn't get into to earthquakes and all those things. That's part of it. But men shall be lovers of themselves. They'll despise those that are in authority. They, you know, they'll, they'll, they'll mock and make fun of the things that are not just in the, in the secular world, but in the church world. That's, that's the spirit that's on the age. And sometimes we need to shake ourselves out of that slumber. Lord, let me be ready to hear your voice. When I put on a tape, don't let it be just a sound in the background. Let it be something that hits my heart. Let it be something that motivates me, that cleanses me. Let it be real. I I desire that we could approach it with reverence. Not just a sound in the background. But it's just as real today. I, I believe it with all my heart. Now, listen, they, I, I won't dwell on this more, but they recognize not the day of their visitation. Now, history repeats itself. 2,000 years later, here we are. Elijah has come. Now, more than just John the Baptist, who had a ministry in word only, now God expands that. 
and he starts with healing in his wings. He starts with a first pull and a second pull and a sign and great miracles. And the world has to take note. The world has to recognize it. And out of that ministry, I think it's, it's, it's uh, David Harrell in his book that, that writes, out of all of the ministries that started, he pointed to William Branham as the one that God used to spearhead the healing revival. Now, it, it was there so everybody could take note. But God had more in his mind than just a healing revival. God, to fulfill Malachi 4, he had to turn the hearts back to the faith of the fathers. I want to be identified with a book of Acts church. I don't want to just be in the form of churches that are around us or even, as we could say, a form that could be adapted within the message. I want it to be the genuine. I want it to be the real. I want it to be God in our midst. I'd, I'd, I'd like it to be that if William Brother Branham would come here, that he would feel comfortable to preach here. I want to be... Part of that group. I, I desire for us as ministers to be a part of those that carry on that voice. Now, let's just take this for a moment. Let me back up for a bit. A bit. We'll go to Revelations chapter 1. We took this on Wednesday. Revelations 1, let's start reading it in verse 9. I, John, who am also your brother and companion in tribulation and in the kingdom and patience of Jesus Christ, was in the isle that is called Patmos for the word of God and the testimony of Jesus Christ. And I was in the Spirit on the Lord's day. Now, John was not there in just A.D. 30 or 40 or 50 or whatever it was. That was the time he was there, but where he was caught up to was the Lord's day. So now I, I, I'd lo like to look at a particular dispensation. And if you want to characterize it this way, Jesus is always prophet, priest, and king. So he is son of, son of man, prophet. He is son of God, priest. He is, he is king, son of David. So he is always those things. Now, he, he is always the king. He is always the prophet. He is always the priest. But he has a dispensation where he works through in particular. It still all emanates from the throne of God. It's still full authority. The words of Jesus on earth were the same as the words of God from heaven. And I would say those that come under that voice are also a part of that voice. i, I got to stop before I go too far on this. So, I was in the Spirit on the Lord's day, and I heard behind me a great voice as of a trumpet. Verse 11, saying, I am Alpha and Omega, the first and the last. Now, I, I love it. This is, there's no ambiguity here. This is a declaration. What you see 
write in a book, send it to the seven churches which are in Asia, Ephesus, Smyrna, Pergamos, Thyatira, Sardis, Philadelphia, and unto Laodicea. And I love this next verse. I mentioned this on Wednesday. And I turned to see the voice that spake with me. And being turned, I saw seven candlesticks. I, I just need to stop here. There's, there's a wonderful part of this that Brother Branham speaks of in the Patmos vision in the Church Age book. And he says, and I turned to see the voice. Brother Branham makes this commentary. And he says, I turned to see the voice that spake with me. And as I turned, I saw seven golden candlesticks. Now the candlesticks represent seven churches that, that were there for the dispensation of the Son of God, the Son of God, the priestly ministry. Now John does not say that he turned to see the one whose voice he heard, but he turned to see the voice. Oh, I like that. He turned to see the voice. The voice and the person are one and the same. Jesus is the Word. Now, he will refer to John 1, verse 1 to 3. In the beginning was the Word. The Word was with God. And, and he refers to that. And then he makes this statement. If you ever really see the Word, you will be seeing Jesus. I like that because it's not, not a word that is separate from the person. It is the person. And it's not just to be debated and to be cast around and, and it says this and this. I, I, I feel I want to reverence the word before I use it as a debating tool. I want to be able to say, my spirit bears witness with the word. Listen, when, when you go out in the world and, and you see some of the things on the streets... The, the word that is Jesus Christ who is in you by the Spirit actually lives out of you. And you become grieved. Oh God, how can that, how can they? Or when you hear something, you know, even, even around our, our ranks and you hear things, it, it, it ought not to make you rejoice. It ought to make you feel grieved. And say, oh God. And, and if you are, now if you are a part of God, you become a part of the intercessory work. You become a part of, of what God is desiring to do in the, in the world in this last day. There, there's, a, there's a wonderful quote that I, I just came across here the other day. And, and, and Brother Branham would talk about it. And, and I, I don't know if I, if I didn't bring it out. But it, it, it goes like this. He said, he's depending on you and me to rightly present the word to the people. I, I think that's a great onus upon us. I, I don't want to just be, you know, well, just here. And sometimes I know we, we share a book, we share a tape. But more than that, we need to live a life. We need to present it and say, it's in me. It's a part of me. No. So he says, if you ever really get to see the word, you'll be seeing Jesus. Let's go back to verse 13. And in the midst of the seven golden candlesticks, one like to the Son of God, clothed with a garment, down to the foot, girt about the paps with a golden girdle, his head... Oh, I've got to slow down. Not, just, just, just look, catch this picture. I should have had something up there, but you've got to picture this. And in the midst of the seven candlesticks, one like to the Son of Man, clothed with a garment down the foot, gird about the paps with a golden girdle, 
His head and his hairs were white like wool and as white as snow. I'll come back to that. His eyes were as a flame of fire. His feet like unto fine brass, as if they burned in a furnace, and his voice as the sound of many waters. And in his right hand he had seven stars, and out of his mouth went a sharp two-edged sword, and his countenance was as the sun that shineth in his strength. And John, when he looked and saw this, I fell at his feet as dead, And he laid his hand on me and said, Fear not, I am the first and I am the last. Now, let me read. I'm I'm reading a lot, but I want to just make this real if I can. In In the Patmos vision in the Church Age book, Brother Bram says, Those fiery flaming eyes of the judge are even now recording the lives of all flesh. Running to and fro through the earth, there is nothing he does not know. He knows the desires of the heart and what each one intends to do. There is nothing hidden that shall be revealed. All things are naked before him with whom we have to do. Think of it. He knows even now what you are thinking. I I want you to think about the gift that we have received in this last day, where Brother Branham would, 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 would be on a, on a tape or on a thought, and then he'd be saying something, and then he'd saying, oh, I felt someone resent that. And then he goes a step further. Maybe it's not here in the audience. Maybe it's in the tape land. You talk about God who knows all things. The word we have received was not a prophet like a prophetic gifts, one of, one of the gifts in the Bible. This is the revelation of the Son of Man again. It was not just Elijah that was there. You know, the, the Elijah that was here, but, but it was greater than Elijah. It was the Lord Jesus Christ. We point much to Brother Branham. But Brother Branham himself, he goes back right to the time he was at the river. And he says, it wasn't me that was down there at the river. It was him. I was only nearby. You're not feeding on a man. You're feeding on the unfailing body word of the Son of Man. Listen, let, let, me, let me try to finish this little portion, and I want to get into something else here. So he says, there he stands as a judge with flaming eyes to mete out judgment. The day of mercy is over. Men might repent and seek his face in righteousness. They, while there's yet time, they might make his bosom their, their pillow ere the world dissolves in fire. Now, he'll take some time and he'll actually speak on the feet like brass. Brass is noted for its hardness. There's nothing you can do to temper it. But his feet have gone through the test of the fiery furnace. Brass also signifies divine judgment. Now let's just, I didn't give you this, Brother Dan, but turn to John chapter 3, if you will, for a minute. John chapter 3. If you move with me, I, I really 
want to get to a conclusion on this. I don't want to carry this over. I'd really feel like I need to bring it to a place today. John chapter 3. Let's just go to verse 14. Now as Moses lifted up the serpent in the wilderness, even so must the Son of Man be lifted up, that whosoever believeth in him should not perish, but have everlasting life. Now it says... Very familiar. For God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten son, whosoever believes on him should not perish, but have everlasting life. For God sent his son into the world, not sent not his son into the world to condemn the world, but that the world through him might be saved. He that believes on him is condemned, but he that believes not is condemned already, because he has not believed in the name of of the only begotten Son of God. And this is the condemnation, that light is come into the world, and men love darkness rather than light because their, their deeds were evil. Now, I want you to think, the children of Israel in the time when the serpent was, they had chided with Moses, they had, they had come against him. It was a spirit within, within that had come against him and it was not just challenging Moses, but it was challenging the authority of God. The, the, the spirits that have come around the message, that, that have come, and you know, they dared not come when, when the prophet himself was here, but only after. And they humanized him. And, and, and we are all human. Listen, let me say it this way, because Brother Harold made this very clear. He said, the fivefold ministry is not infallible. The fivefold ministry is human, but they are also representatives of God. They're part of God's order. They're part of what God uses. I, I will try to come to that a little further. So we got to be careful. We don't humanize it only, but we need to say, Lord, speak to me. I, I, I do that every service I would come to and hear. I said, Lord, if it's whoever it is speaking, I said, Lord, speak to me. How many appreciated Brother Cadre Diggs speaking? I, I felt God spoke to me, spoke to us. I, I believe God speaks in every service, and we're looking for him to speak to us. So here, back then, it was, it, there was all of this happening, and God said, I cannot take this. And I'm going to judge them. And he sent serpents out among the people. I'm not going to go to the Bible, but you can read it in the book of Exodus. He sent serpents, and they began to bite the people. They began to do this. And Moses stood in the breach. And God said to Moses, take a pole. Bring that pole up. Put a serpent on the pole. And whosoever looks on that serpent... They will live. Now listen, you didn't have to go get inoculated. You didn't have to get any kind of a vaccine. All you had to do was look and live. If the serpent bit you, just look and live. That was God's grace to them. Now God is a God of his word. You can't separate the word from God. He said, the Bible said he'll judge the world by Jesus Christ, and Jesus Christ is the word. So to me, it's the word of God that he'll judge it by. Now I believe his judgments are on the earth right now. 
Let us seek with all our heart to escape the wrath of the damnation of the wrath of God that's to be poured into this unbelieving world. He'll judge the world by Jesus Christ, he says. And, is, and Jesus Christ is the Word. Let me just jump to another scripture real quick if I can. This is going to be in 1 Peter chapter 4. 1 Peter chapter 4. If you were watching any of the services in Saskatchewan, we're not under that same anointing here this morning, but we are under the Word, and we want the Word to speak to us. Now, 1 Peter chapter 4, let's just um, pick this up. Let's just take it in verse 4. Wherein they think it strange that you run not with them to the same excess of riot, speaking evil of you. Who shall give account to them that is ready to judge the quick and the dead? For this cause does the gospel preached also to them that are dead, that they might be judged according to men in the flesh, but live according to God in the Spirit. But the end of all things is at hand. Be therefore sober and watch unto prayer." The Bible says when you come to the house of the Lord, be circumspect, be more than ready to hear. Let's just drop down to, if we can for a moment, to, to verse um, 14, I believe, is where I wanted to be. Sorry, verse 17. Verse 17. For the time has come that judgment must begin at the house of God. And if it first begin at us, what shall be the end of them that obey not the gospel of God? And if the righteous scarcely be saved, wherein shall the ungodly and the sinner appear? Now just, just look at these words. If the righteous scarcely be saved, where shall the ungodly and the sinner appear? Wherefore, let them that suffer according to the will of God commit the keeping of their souls to him in well-being as unto a faithful creator. I want to just take this for a moment. Sometimes when we think of judgment and we think of a judge, we think of it negatively. We think, oh, God's come to judge, and, and he's come to judge negatively. Let me just take this as a, as a thought this, this morning. So, so a judgment is not always negative. A judgment can be positive. And, and, and so the law is there for a reason. The law is there for a purpose. It is our standard that we've got to work to. And many times we come short. Thankfully, there's a blood that's there for us. But the blood is there to hold us, to keep us. And to bring us to a place. Now God will perfect that which concerns us. So part of us escaping judgment is that we recognize that our judgment is now. My, Brother Bannon would say in a place, we come to church to find our weak places. We kind come to find the places that we're not, where we should be. I, I, I trust you're here for that. Well, I, I, listen... We don't want to come to church to find somebody else's weak places. We come to find our own weak places. Lord, change me. Speak me. I, I, I don't know how you feel sometimes, but I feel like, Lord, I, 
I, I'm frustrated with myself. I'd like to be better. Help me to be better. And, and you know what? When you come and you actually present it that way, God will help you to be better. So judgment begins at the house of the Lord. Brother says, we come to find our weak places. Well, if you're born again and the Spirit of God is in you, it will move you to go to that place. But sometimes you come to church, I don't like what he said, and I'll go to another church. Well, uh, is that really the house of judgment? Ask yourself, and I'm, I'm, not saying, I'm not saying you have to come to this church. You can go to any church you want. But if you're going because you're just avoiding something that God is speaking in the Word, be careful what you're doing it for. Sometimes people will change churches at the worst time. Well, I'm under pressure. I didn't like this and this. And they'll jump. That's not the time. Stay stable. Let God minister. Let Him speak to us. I, I believe there's a purging that happens. There's a cleansing. So, so judgment... I, if, if I would have a choice, if I would have a choice to be over in the tribulation and go through a white throne judgment, or to come to church daily, or let's call it weekly, as I need, and to be washed by the water of the word, give me that. Give me, tell it to me straight. Don't tell me just platitudes and, and things like that. Give me the word that changes me. That ought to be our desire this morning. It's not just to say, well, I'm, I, I did my duty. I was here. Now I'm going to go. No, change me. Make me what I ought to be. Judgment is, is to make us better. This is the grace to us. As Moses lifted up the serpent, so must the Son of Man be lifted up. Now he's lifted up to give us mercy, but also to correct us, to help us. I, I, how many would appreciate that? I, I say, yes, Lord. Let it be that way. Let me take one other scripture here. I didn't give you some of these, Dan, but take 1 Corinthians chapter 11. 1 Corinthians chapter 11. Verse 31. There, you can just put it up. 1 Corinthians chapter 11, verse 31. For if we would judge ourselves, we should not be judged. Verse 32. But when we are judged, we are chastened of the Lord, that we should not be condemned with the world. I think that's, that's a good thing. You know, it's wonderful. Sometimes you can live in fear of judgment rather than saying, okay, I'm going to face the issue, Lord. I, I, I heard something on the tape the other day, and I said, Lord, I'm not living up to that. I need to live up to that. And I came, and I presented it before the Lord in prayer. And I'll tell you what, instead of me skirting around the issue and praying around the issue and not bringing it up, I brought it directly to him. And when you bring it directly to him, listen, I, we, we did something when we were away. We were in Victoria. We're walking around downtown Victoria, and that's where they have the British Columbia House of Parliament. And, and it really got me thinking about how, and it was right at the time that the Queen had passed away, and there's a book of condolences and, and things, and actually was able to write something and put it in there. And, and, and I put it in there, and, 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 and I did that. But as I'm walking around, I'm looking at the institution and how 
this is the final place of authority for, for making the rules and making, making, making the, the laws in, in a province or in a country. And, but it came under the auspices of a queen, a monarch, who set up a government and the government made the rules and then there's the courts. And I just thought of the whole system and how this works. And I thought it's tremendous. You know, it, 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 it's God's grace that, that God allows us to be in a country where, where there's a process whereby you can actually be set free if you're accused or, or if there is something that you, you can have it. But, and I got to thinking about God's court. How much higher is God's court? So, so they have different things in the courts that, that are there for us. I, and I, I'm just going to come to it. I want to finish this, this one little thing. So I'm, I'm just reading still from the Patmos vision, and I wanted to maybe just pick this up if I can. So I, I won't get into the feet of brass, and I'll, I'll take some time with that some other time. But Brother Adam would, would make a statement, and this is regarding Revelations chapter 1. And he would, he would just say in, in this part, he says, Now, the Son of Man was clothed with a garment down to the foot and girt about the paps with a golden Girdle. Now, in the Thyatiran church age, Brother Branham would, would, would bring this out, and he would say, now, when Jesus, in Hebrews chapter 10, it says, after Jesus entered into the holy place, after he paid the price, it said he sat down expecting until all his enemies be made his footstool. So he, 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 he put himself in a place the work was done. He cried, it is finished. So now he was going to go into the operation of a priesthood. Let me, let me bring it to you this way. The priesthood in, in, the, in the Old Testament, they had to be girded about with a, a robe, or sorry, a rope around them. And the rope was because it was an earthly priesthood, and if the priest was not perfect, and he didn't have the right walk, and he was making atonement, and if he fell over dead, they had to have a way of pulling him out. Now, it's different here, and this is how Brother Branham brings it. He said, now, the Thyatiran church age, be between his priestly operation, when the sanctuaries left, we find him standing there. John was in the spirit on the Lord's day, not the seventh day, and he said, it was the Lord's day. The coming of the Lord will be his day. And when he saw him, he had snow white hair. We know that represents a judge. Another thing, he was not priest then because the priest was tied around the middle, which means service. But he was tied up around the paps up here. Brother Adam talks about it. So he says, which meant he was a judge. We see him walking in the midst of the seven golden candlesticks. We come back to the Ancient of Days being white. He, he, his, the Ancient of Days whose hair was white as snow. So he's in a priesthood, but he's also in a judgment role. i, I got to go back to Acts chapter 3. So it would, said, it would say in, in, in the book of Acts chapter 3, he would make intercession on the sins of the ignorant. Oh my, I'm looking at the clock and I, I'm going to back up. Listen, go back with me to Leviticus chapter 4. Leviticus chapter 4. Uh, I'll just take the time to do it properly. Thank you, Brother Glenn. 
God bless you. And they all said, (laughs) I'd like to just look at this. And the Lord spake unto Moses, Leviticus 4, Speak unto the children of Israel, if a soul shall sin through ignorance against any one of the commandments of the Lord concerning things which ought not to be done and shall do against them, if the priest that is anointed do sin according to the sin of the people, then let him bring for a sin which he has sinned, a young bullock without blemish, unto the Lord for a sin offering." And he shall bring the bullock unto the door of the tabernacle of the congregation before the Lord. He shall lay his hand upon the bullock's head and kill the bullock before the Lord. And if a priest that is anointed shall take of the bullock's blood and bring it to the tabernacle of the congregation. Now, so he's talking about a sin of ignorance. Now, I'll I'll come to this in a minute. Verse 6, and the priest shall dip his finger in the blood and sprinkle it seven times before the Lord, before the veil of the sanctuary. That meant that through seven ages, because the fullness of the word had not come, there would be an ignorance of the fullness of God. Luther had an ignorance of sanctification, but he had justification. Wesley had an ignorance even of the baptism, the true baptism. And I would say, we too can have an ignorance of things before the fullness is made known to us. But if it is, God made propitiation for it, and he made an atonement for it, and he made a way for us. So so through seven church ages, he's not just a priest, but he's also a judge. Let Let me say it this way. In every age... There was a word presented. And when the word was presented, those that heard the word, they received the benefit of being a part of the bride for that age. Those that were outside will have to go into judgment. But those that received the word, they received the benefit, and the judge was walking in their midst. He was girt about with the paps. They received the benefit of receiving the word in a time of judgment and found grace in the eyes of God. Before the fullness ever came. In the days of ignorance. In a, under a sin of ignorance. Ignorance is not so much like, well, you're not educated. It just means you haven't come to the fullness yet. And as long as there wasn't a fullness yet, God had to make a way in every age. But in the last age, he would come now, and the fullness of the word would come. And he he would say that in in the book of Acts, in Acts chapter 3, and and he would, would just speak it this way. The heavens must receive him until the times of the restitution of all things which God spoke by the mouth of his prophets. So under this last day, there would come a fullness. Now, not one of us has learned the message in his fullness, but if you receive the spirit of the message, I don't understand it, but I believe it with all my heart. I don't understand how this type fits with this type, but I receive whatever God makes real to me. And I would say, we're all on a journey, and we need to make room for one another as we go along the way. And as we go along the way, I, I, I don't... You know, sometimes we like to just judge somebody. There was a spirit that, that came amongst the message, and it said, he's off the mercy seat. Nobody else can get in. 
Well, that's not, I'm sorry. That's, that's not what it is. Mercy is there. He, he is actually sits on the mercy seat until the last one comes in. And we try to figure our symbols in, in Revelations 5. Well, he's, got, he's gotten up and he's taken the book and therefore it's not a... No, that's man thinking those things. But under the dispensation that we're under. Now, I, I grew up in a home in the message. I grew up in a home. I read A Prophet Visit South Africa. I, I, I read different books. And, and it was... I, I would say, yeah, I, I liked it. But I didn't really know what it was all about. Even though I was around it. And I went out, I went out into the world, I did different things. And you say, well, you had your chance. No, I didn't really know. And when I came to myself, like a prodigal came to himself one day, when he came to himself and he recognized where he stood, then there was still a door of mercy that was open to him. Just because seven thunders uttered their voices, it doesn't mean we all received the benefit of it at one time. Oh, my goodness, I got so much that comes to my mind as I read this. Brother Branham would say this. We were talking about the end time, about how God would come and make it more real in Acts chapter 3. Seven thunders. He says, today we haven't got revivals. We haven't had a real stirring. We got millions and millions of church members, but not a revival. The bride hasn't had a revival yet. There is no revival, no manifestation of God to stir the bride yet. This is in 1963, the third seal. We're looking for it now. It will take those seven unknown thunders back there to wake her up again. Now watch. Now, if you've been around the message, you've heard that the seven thunders. What are the seven thunders? Just, just tell me in plain language. What are they? Well, let's just, just, let's just go this way. It's the revelation of God personally to you is what it is. It's when God makes the word real to you personally. And it quickens you. Now, now they'll ask Brother Branham in 1964 this question. Have the seven thunders, which equals the seven mysteries, already been revealed? Were they revealed in the seven seals, but are, not, but are yet not known to us as the thunders yet? So two questions. Have the seven thunders, which equals the seven mysteries, been revealed? Second question, were they revealed in the seven seas, but are not seven seals, but not known to us as thunders yet? He answers the second question first. No, they were revealed in the seven seals. That's what the thunders were all about. Now, don't look at this intellectually, because it can't be received intellectually. It's in your soul realm. The third pole is to the soul. It's not by feelings. And he says, the seven thunders, no, he says, the seven thunders uttered their voices. John knew what it was, but he was forbidden to write it. But the seventh angel, in the days of his sounding, the seven mysteries of the seven thunders would be revealed. Now, I, I, I need to just put one more element of this and put it before you, because it's not so much the sounding. We believe, how many believes that the seven seals were opened? So then the, the seven seals, then the seven thunders uttered their voices. Now, John was about to write. He was about to share what they were. But he says, don't write it. 
Because it won't happen until the end time when the seventh angel is here. And in fact, that was part of what Malachi 4 had two things. One was to turn the hearts back to the children. The second thing was to reveal the seven mysteries of the seven thunders. And, he's, and Brother Bannon would say, it would take those seven thunders to literally bring us back, our hearts back. And we have majored on the intellectual part of it when it needs to be down in the heart. Where God makes it real. Where it becomes personal to us. Where it's not just a saying or a phrase, but it's actually something. I can say, I've been feeding on it. I can't even put it into words sometimes. But it's real to me, Brother Ed. It is my life. It's God that speaks to me. Now, there's one further aspect of this in the fourth seal. And... And I won't get to this part today, but I started on it on Wednesday, but I didn't get to it. But it's about the sword of the Spirit. Now he says, God's word, his sharp two-edged sword, slays him. He's talking about the enemy. Wait till them seven thunders utter their voices to that group who can really take the word of God and hand it there, it will slice and cut. Now, I'm talking about authority that was in a mountain. I'm talking about authority that came down through prophets. I'm talking about authority that was to the dispensational messenger John and was to the dispensational message of Elijah in this last days. And that authority comes right into the church. Yes, it does. I won't get into this fully, but listen to what, listen how Brother Ram says it. Wait till it, them seven thunders utter their voices to a group who can really take the word of God and hand it there. It will slice and cut. They can close the heavens. They can shut this. They can do whatever they want. They will be slayed by the sword that proceeds from his mouth. It's sharper than a two-edged sword. They can call for a hundred billion tons of flies. Whatever they say is going to happen because it's the word of God coming from the mouth of God. Yea, amen, God always it's his word, but he uses man to work it. Oh, friends, have you ever been in prayer? And all of a sudden you're in prayer and you pray something and you just know it's going to happen. It isn't you. It's the spirit of God in you. That's what we need to be yielded to. Go with me for a moment. I had one I wanted to pull out here. Let's go to Numbers chapter 27. Numbers 27. Moses was the voice of God in his day. And one time Jethro, his father-in-law, came and he saw Moses and Moses was worn out. He says, Moses, you're up from morning till night. You're dealing with all the people. Why, why don't you get 70 men and take 70 men and let them help you? And it was a pretty good idea. But you don't see anything happen from it. But it's a few verses later, 
and, 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 and you find out that, that God takes Moses and he tells him, Moses, because Moses begins to complain about the children and all that they're doing, and he says, okay, take 70 men, and he says, and appoint them. Uh, I, I could read this too, but I, I'm just reading another portion. Appoint them, and I will put my spirit on them. That's the difference. Without the spirit, it's nothing. Without God, it's nothing. But with God, it's everything. And then, and then finally, Moses does exactly what God, and they're all prophesying, and then there's two others that are prophesying, and they come to Moses and they say, Moses, Moses, there's two guys prophesying. Stop them, stop them. And Moses, he just, what does he say? He says, stop them. I would to God that you're all prophets. Why? Because God desires to live in us. But we need to be our vessel. The hand that holds the sword needs to be in shape to hold it in faith and in character. Now, let's just read this part. This is Numbers 27. This is in verse 15. And Moses spake unto the Lord and and said, saying, Let the Lord, the God of the spirits of all flesh, set a man over the congregation, which may go out before them, that he may go in before them, that he may lead them out, which may bring them in, that the congregation of the Lord be not as sheep which have no shepherd. And the Lord said unto Moses, Take thee, Joshua, the son of man, a man in whom is my spirit, lay thine hand upon him. Now, I, I want you to look at this. It wasn't just Moses, Joshua, one man, another man. This is a dispensation. Brother Branham was Moses to us, but he was also Elijah. But it wasn't just him, sorry, he was also Joshua, but he wasn't just him. Under Joshua, there was more under him. Just let's, let's read this here. And he says, Take Joshua, the son of man, a man who is the Spirit, set thine hand up. And set him before Eliezer the priest and before all the congregation and give him a charge in their sight. And thou shalt put some of thine honor upon him that all the congregation of the children of Israel may be obedient. I, I, I believe it was the same God, but he was moving along in a different vessel. How many want to see God? Not just in William Branham. Not just in, 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 in Brother Harold, but in us today. How many want to see him not just in one vessel, but in all the vessels? How many want to see him in our ministry, in our officers? How many want to see him? I want to see him. But God made a way for that. It wasn't just, well, it's just all back there. You know, like the man that tried to stop Moses from those two prophesying, that spirit's still in the land today. No, it's only on the tapes. There is a spirit that says that. But it's more than just that. Friends, if we put it all back there, then why are we here? How are we ever going to have rapturing faith? How are we going to fulfill the group that can receive the thunders and will speak the word and will do what they do? How are we ever going to be the manifestation of the sons of God? But God's working his way through a body. Do you believe that this morning? And then he says to Joshua, verse 21, and he shall stand before Eliezer the priest who shall ask counsel 
for him after the judgment of Urim before the Lord. At his word, they shall go out, and at his word, they shall come in, both he and all the children of Israel with him, even all the congregation. And Moses did as the Lord commanded him, and he took Joshua, and he set him before Eliezer the priest, and before all the congregation, and he laid his hands upon him, and he gave him a charge as the Lord commanded by the hand of Moses." Do you see a transition going down there? Do you see the word of God? My, there ought to be some amens here. I mean, if you go back and you just take Elijah, the last commission that was given to Elijah, he said, you shall anoint Elisha to be prophet in your stead. You shall anoint uh, such and such a man to, to, to anoint the king of Israel. You shall anoint someone to be the king, uh, I think of Assyria, Like, if you actually look at it, Elijah only did one thing. But the authority that was under the word of Elijah was followed through by one of the sons of the prophets, was not not even a main guy, just a secondary guy. But it was God's authority going down through the body. Friends, in the hour of judgment that we are in, God is desiring to bring us to a place where we know where we stand. We are not just living on the history, but that God of history is with us today. Okay, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to take a little turn here. I'll, I'll, I won't go further in that direction today. Go with me to John chapter 16. John chapter 16. Let's just take this. Verse 7. Jesus is telling his disciples... just taking a few more minutes. I need about 10 more minutes. I know where we're at for time, but I need 10 more minutes. John 16, verse 7. Nevertheless, I tell you the truth. It is expedient for you that I go away. And he said, if I go not away, the comforter will not come unto you. But if I depart, I will send him unto you. Now, if you actually take that word comforter there, That word comforter means, in the Greek, an advocate, a helper, and a comforter. But the word is actually called parakletos. And so that is the comforter. So it's somebody who stands for you when you can't stand. When you don't know how to pray, the Bible would say in the book of Romans, it says, we know not to pray as we should, but the Spirit helpeth us that we may pray according to the will of God. And God who has a purpose for all things. So now, let, let me just deal with this on, on a court basis for a moment. Because there are certain terms that are, are court-based terms. And, and I, I just want to refer to it if I can. But in, in the court, you have, when you come to court and you can't afford a lawyer, the the court says they will provide legal counsel. So it's a court-appointed lawyer or defender or attorney. So Jesus knew that we couldn't help ourselves. So Jesus said, I'm the judge. I'm the one who's over all things. But you know what? I'm going to come down and be your, I'm going to appoint an attorney and I'm going to appoint myself. I like that. He is not just our judge. He's our attorney. He's the one who fights for us. He's the one who stands for us. If you remember 
the woman in the Bible who, uh, I think it was the Shunammite who had, had her son raised, Elijah, Elisha told her, he says, you go away seven years. And he says, because there's coming a famine into the land. So she went away seven years. She comes back, and she happens to come to the king, and she finds out her land was lost, everything was gone. She comes back, and she comes and cries unto the king. And it so happens as the king was there, you can find this, I think, in 2 Kings chapter 8, as the king was there, he was just talking to Elijah or Elijah's servant. He says, tell me all the great things Elijah done. Elisha did. And he tells him about the woman. And here comes the woman crying. Oh, this is her. This is her right now. Don't think that God doesn't know where we're at. He knows what we have need of. He knows what we lost through seven ages. He knows what we lost through the days of ignorance. But it's time for restoration. So he comes and, and what does the king do? The king appoints an officer to restore unto her everything that she had. The king has appointed unto us in this last day. Friends, wherever we are in the atonement, and the atonement is more than just forgive me, but the atonement means a restoration. All that Adam lost will be restored. All that the enemy has taken away will be restored. The enemy came to Job, and he took away his children. He took away his lands. He took away his servants. He took away everything, even his health. And Brother Adam would speak about it, and he'd say, you know, even his wife would say, why don't you curse God and die? And Job, with a little bit of diplomacy, he said, the little bit of dis- diplomacy is, you are speaking like a foolish woman. He didn't call her that. He just said, you're speaking like that. But he says, and Brother Branham in that message, thy house, he says, after a while God has enough of the devil having his way. And God said, it's time to restore. And if you actually follow through Job, the trial brought something out of Job. And in Job 42, I think it's verse 6 or 7, it says, and when Job prayed for his friends... Now, they're called miserable comforts, but Job referred to them as friends. When he interceded for them, then God restored everything. Oh, friends, we're living under the the fullness of it. Now, let me just take one or two comments here. Now, they have, in the court of law, they have what's called, so Jesus becomes our advocate, our paraclete. He defends the case. Before the judge. So he is the lawyer, but he's also the judge. Now, you can confide in the lawyer, and you may even be guilty. But they have a thing, it's called lawyer-client privilege. And it goes this way. And, and it, I just took this right out of the Alberta law, and it says, it means that nobody can force a client to disclose the contents of any communication between the client and the client's lawyer, this privilege is subject to very limited exceptions. So, in other words, you're the client, you're guilty, but you're pleading your case to the lawyer, who's Jesus Christ. And anything you say, I did this, please forgive me, he can't repeat it before the judge because it's under the blood. That's your privilege. You can share anything with him. You can tell him, I did this. I had a wrong motive. I had this. Well, it's under the blood. He can't use that as evidence against you. 
Oh, friends, we have an advocate. We have, in this day of judgment, we have a blood, we have a, we have a Clorox that is greater than all of these things. So he can't, he can't claim it. The, the lawyer can you may have confessed. Yes, I killed him. But the lawyer can't use that against you. That's, that's in law. What about the Lord Jesus? He's our advocate. He can't go before. And I'll say this, if we're really Christians, if you really get in the presence of God, you cannot accuse somebody else in the presence of God. You can't. It's impossible. That's what we're under. They also have a thing under this. Let me just read this. My goodness. Okay, before I just go there, I want you to think about something. Whenever there's a judgment... Just like there was a serpent, it was already judged. We all know the case of we all know the case of Rahab in the Bible. We know how she received two spies. She didn't receive Joshua. She received two men that were under Joshua. And she received all the authority of Joshua. And her words were this: "We know your God." <laughs> The God that's with Joshua and that's with you. I know him and our whole land is fearing him. And when she honored that, what their words were was what God's words were to her. I like that. And I believe that God's for us. Now, there was another woman in the Bible named Tamar. And Tamar had actually legal rights. She was in the lineage of Judah and in the lineage of Judah, she, she was, had a desire to have a child more than just having an, an, what I would call an incestuous affair. She had a greater desire to have, uh, to have a, a, a son that would follow in the lineage of Jesus Christ. So she came and she made herself to be a woman uh, of, of ill fame at a well. Judah was enticed by her. She went in. Judah couldn't give the payment. She says, give me your staff and give me your rod. The staff and the rod. So then later on, Judah finds out she wasn't there the next day. He couldn't give the payment. But they find out she's expecting. So they have court. And as they have court, and they say, now, she says, what have you got to say for yourself? She said, all I can share is this. I just have this staff and this signet. All I've got is this. And I says, and all I've got is his life, his seed in me. Friends, we've been given his life in the hour of judgment. And the blood will pass over you. The little statement Brother Branham makes. He says, the church is the blood by the Spirit. When you receive the Spirit of the Word of God and it's in you, then He can't even judge you anymore. His life is already in you. Oh, friends, every time there's a court case, all you got to do is say, this is the man. This is the staff. This is the signet. I think that's wonderful. They have one other thing. Let me just... I'll, I'll just finish with this. They actually have also what they call husband-wife privilege. So when you're in court, if you've had communication with your wife or your husband, they can't make you testify against him. So it so happens in the hour we live in, the judge is our husband. The judge is the one that we're married to. 
So we, he, we can't come. He can't testify against us. First of all, he can't testify us by lawyer-client privilege. And he can't pass a judgment against us because it's husband and wife. You're protected double. You're protected in this age. There is grace that God has given us in the age we live in. Friends, if you can see that today, when I see the blood, I will pass over you. But the blood has come down to us. The blood has become spirit and life in us. It is not just, it is not just my words, but it's his life in me. It's his spirit. Musicians come. It's his spirit that prays out of me. It's him. He's my song. He's my desire. He's my everything. I didn't even get into a whole section I had on imputing and things, but Brother Branham, we took the questions and answers, and the sister, and he says, Satan comes, and he'll make you in your spirit think one thing, but God in your soul has another thing for you. And he would say, it's so hard for you to accept that. Friends, we need to accept what God has done. I, I believe that we can look, and Brother Branham would say it this way in the token message. When you go in prayer, you can present your petition before God and he will answer it if you've got the token there to present it. Listen, Lord, you gave me, we had a baby dedication, you gave me this baby. You promised it to me. That's what the Shunammite did. That's what the women of the Bible, that's what the, 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 they says, you gave this to me and Lord, to take care of and I'm presenting that petition. And, and it looks like this sickness has got, or this has happened. You know what? You present the token and say, I did all I could. But Lord, you know my shortcomings. But Lord, here's the token. You know what he looks at? He's looking at the blood. Let's stand together. There's grace for us. In, in Feast of the Trumpets, Feast of the Trumpets, Brother Bram says, how can you judge Let me read it. I won't, I won't read it right. When a man chooses a wife, he doesn't put her through a lot of punishment. She's already found grace with him. He says he engages her. And if there is anything, he'll keep her from every place to turn his hand. His grace is great upon them. So will it be upon the bride, we unworthy creatures, deserving of hell, but his grace holds us through it. Look how many lost and blind, how many sinners in the world, the hour I was saved. God saved me for a purpose, and I'm determined by his will to do that purpose. I don't care what else goes. Has he, have you found grace with him? I, I believe we're under grace under a grace covenant, casting all my cares upon you. So I'm casting all my cares on you. My Redeemer's no longer dead, he's risen.
that you have a right to go before him for anything you have need of when the devil would heap condemnation on you you don't have to listen to any of that he can say no I know I am his I know unless brother Branham would go and he'd go beyond the curtain of time and then he would say will I have to be judged you'll have to be judged just like Paul I'll have to be judged like Paul. Do you know what Brother Branham did? He didn't worry. He says, oh, praise God. Every word that Paul preached, I preached it also. And you know, there was a whole multitude behind him. And you know what they said? We are resting on that. Oh, praise God. That's what we're resting on. We're resting on the word of redemption. And you know what I like best about that whole analogy? Is the part says, and when you're accepted, or so, and if you're accepted, which you will be. <laughs> it, it, it's, not a, it's not a question. This message has been accepted in heaven. If you're under this message, you're under the protection of this message. That means, what does that mean to me, Brother Ed? I, I can't put all, no, it means this. It means when you get on your knees, and there's judgment coming on your house or against your neighborhood or against anything that would happen. You have a right to stand up in that hour. Like the serpent, I'm looking and living. I'm presenting the token with my prayer. And you know what? That voice comes up through the blood 
and God turns back the wrath of God. Friends, your prayers, I don't know if you can see it, but right now, if, if you talk about what's the world going to be like in a tribulation, what's it going to be like without a bride that's still interceding? Because it's your prayers, my prayers. I believe that. I believe my prayers make a difference. I got up early yesterday morning and I started praying for Brother Eric. And I said, Lord, we're going to see him again. I got on my knees and I started praying for other situations. And I said, Lord, you, I'm coming under the blood, under the token, under grace covenant in the hour of judgment. I, God will go to great lengths to bring the last ones in. I believe we'll see it on a level unparalleled. Why? Because everyone whose name is on the book will be there. I believe that with all my heart. Brother Ray, you sang that song at the beginning. I'd like to sing it again. I'm amazed. I'm amazed that you love me. I'm amazed that you love me. said my life was fine without you I was covering up the tears that I had cried oh then one day someone told me of your mercy and the love you showed on a hill called Calvary oh there When you broke sin's power and set my spirit free, oh, I'm amazed that you love me. Yes, I'm amazed how you care through your precious blood. Father, Lord Jesus, we are what we are by the grace of God. Lord, we're so grateful for the day you came by, Lord Jesus, and turned us around, Father. You opened our eyes, Lord Jesus, to see the grace that you had for us, Father. Lord, how many years ago was it that I said, Brother Bob, you should be in church? And I said, yeah, I know. Lord, I'm thankful for the grace, Lord, you've shown to me, Lord. 
Father, the all ones before me, Lord, I'm so thankful for each one that you've drawn to yourself. And Lord, we're just walking by faith, Lord Jesus, one step at a time. And Father, we want to encourage each other, Lord Jesus, looking for Christ and my brother and my sister. Lord, as we're nearing that time, Lord Jesus, that your word is spoken about. And Father, again, Lord, we just ask you, Lord, to lead us and guide us. Draw us closer and closer to you, Lord. We just want to know you better, Father. Lord, we just love you. We thank you so much for your grace that you've extended to us, Father. And Lord, as our brother would go down east, Lord Jesus, he's just a part of this body, Lord, part of the body down east, Lord. Lord, may you bless Brother Dale, Father. We love him. We thank you for each one you've drawn to yourself, Father, as we go our separate ways today. Lord, may you bless each heart. Draw us close to you, Lord. Keep us in your care. We just love you so much. And thank you for your grace and mercy. In the name of the Lord Jesus Christ. Amen. Thanks, Brother Bob. Amen. We'll have, uh, Brother Dale, we'll have a word of prayer with you tonight, if that's all right. Amen. Are you washed by the water of the word? And then we'll be dismissed. Do you know what it is Not to have one guilty feeling Not to wonder where you're going when you die And not condemned of the past And not afraid of what tomorrow holds in store Every day we hear the word, 
it builds us further along. God bless you. Shake hands with one another. Welcome the visitors. God bless you. See you tonight.